my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Today we're discussing, are all religions essentially the same? Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome to you, David. Hello, Gary. Good afternoon, listeners. It is fantastic to have you back again. Is it winter or is it winter? Well, I'm wearing a jumper and I don't normally wear one. It is certainly winter in Adelaide and certainly in other parts of Australia too. There are some parts that are really cold at the moment and wet. Uh, Cold and wet. Tell me, we've just come off a a long weekend a day or two ago. Uh, What did you do for the long weekend? Firstly, is there one next weekend? I really enjoy them. Yeah, so look, um, took it quite easy actually this last weekend. Um, yeah, sort of um, time with God with the family. And then, um, yeah, Saturday night, uh, my wife and I went away for a night together. And, oh, lovely. Um, and then Sunday, we went driving through the hills uh, of Adelaide, just out of Adelaide, beautiful hills, and visited a couple of cafes, which was really nice, and some wood fires. Wow, and, yeah. And then Monday I went for a ride, first time in a little while and too long since I've ridden. That's right. I, I, I noticed that you've, you know, you're... I won't stop there, David. <laughs> I, I, I'll stop there while, yeah, while yeah. the going is actually good. We're not on TV. Yeah, right? well, that's exactly right. Um, uh, David, look, let's come to our News Watch um, uh, segment. Now, look, just a, a few days ago, I read an article. In fact, someone actually uh, rang me up about it. I really appreciate it when uh, our listeners actually ring us up, and I really appreciate that uh, that listener who did actually do that. Uh, they actually picked it up before I did. Uh, an article on the ABC website, uh, and uh, uh, the question was, uh, do Australians trust religious leaders? Now, David, you're a religious leader, and I'd love to actually throw uh, this one uh, at you because, uh, to me, uh, this article said a great deal of uh, uh, a great deal of material that I think is so relevant uh, to us who live uh, in, uh, uh, in in our particular era. And uh, this is. Uh, this is what the article said. Trust in religious leaders is dropping, but some Australians say they've never been closer to God. So what is actually going on? When asked whether he trusts religious leaders in Australia today, Hodong Mo doesn't hold back. If you're going to mislead people about the metaphysics of the universe, how can we trust you about anything else, says the 20-year-old. Hodong is attending a Friday night atheist meetup at Sydney's Humanist House, a venue that's long hosted events celebrating the secular. For obvious reasons, there's no such thing as an atheist place of worship, but this building is probably as close as it gets. Hodong wasn't always an atheist. When I was younger, he says, uh, perhaps I certainly did trust religious leaders. But growing up, I found out more and more facts about them, Hodong says. Like Hodong, um, many Australians, especially young people, have lost faith in religious leaders. According to new research, the Australia Talks National Survey found that 41% of Australians don't trust religious leaders at all, 
a 6% a rise since the survey was conducted uh, in 2019. Amongst Hodong's age group, the distrust is even more significant. Almost half, 47%, of the 18 to 24-year-olds don't trust religious leaders at all. Uh, that's a jump of 15 percentage points in just two years. So what's going on? You know, David, as I sort of read that, I sort of thought, hey, this is really saying something to us who actually minister and certainly have ministered most of our lives in this whole uh, area of, of religion and worship uh, and praise. Um, look, do you think that uh, this is uh, this can be connected, you know, to... In Australia, there seems to be a generalised mistrust of institutions. Do you, do you think the two can be linked at all? Yeah, definitely, 100%. It's interesting, in that same survey on the ABC website, the Australia Talks uh, survey, uh, today, this morning, I had an update come on my phone from this survey, and it says, Australia Talks survey reveals we have very little faith we have very little faith our politicians will do the right thing. And the, the author of this article, Annabelle Crabb, looks at the survey results and she basically says that, um, she says that 89% of us are confident that most politicians in Australia will lie if they feel the truth will hurt them politically. Uh, which is awkward because 94% of us also believe that a politician should resign if they lie. Um, and she goes on. She, she talks about the distrust, uh, with, with politicians and politics. So I think generally with institutions, big corporate institutions and, and I guess you could say the church, and I use the church in a broad sense. Because the church is an institution. Is an institution. There is a lack of trust and sometimes for very good reasons, correct? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So whether it's politicians, whether it's large corporate uh, companies or international conglomerate companies, like, you know, there's a lot of focus on Facebook and Amazon and, and Apple, these big corporate companies that aren't paying uh, what's deemed to be adequate tax. So there's a distrust. Mm. So Australians generally, I think, have a distrust for institutions. Okay, and, and and as part of that, you get uh, politicians are tied up in that, and certainly church people also. So this, I, I suppose myself in reading this survey, I'm a little bit reticent to just single out uh, church leaders because the issue is really leadership per se, and that's hugely challenging in our world. Look, it is, and, and yesterday I was listening to um, some talkback radio where uh, the the person defending politicians was saying, look, to me in politics now, you've got to have an absolutely squeaky clean past, not one association mm. with anyone that might be questionable, nothing. Why would you go into politics, this person was saying, because the media in particular, and I guess then people latch onto that, uh, anything they can grab that's going to cause an issue, it becomes news. Yeah. And, and so leaders, whether they're faith leaders, company leaders, uh, political leaders, the spotlight is keenly on them. And yeah. we're always looking to see if someone stumbles in whatever way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want people to be a little bit not uh, almost unhuman, don't you? Uh. True. That's true and almost impossible uh, to, to be... Unhuman, But in saying that, leaders definitely have a responsibility, and I would suggest that religious leaders 
have an even greater responsibility. Have an even greater responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's huge. Look, this article continues, uh, and uh, the uh, the young man who was speaking said he realised that science was telling the truth. The ten or so attendees at this meetup uh, say the Australia Talks data reflects longer term trends towards a more secular country, exacerbated by recent events. Twenty one year old Benjamin Lynch uh, was one of the newly irreligious at the meetup. He was a former Jehovah's Witness who made the difficult decision to leave the faith after a brutally honest assessment of its teachings. Walking away was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, he said. But it was obvious that science was telling the truth, he says. The internet, particularly YouTube, helped Benjamin in... Uh, interrogate the teachings he had grown up with. He says the value of science has never been clearer uh, than during the pandemic. The atheists uh, all point to child sex abuse scandals as fundamentally changing how Australians view religious leaders. It makes you lose moral trust in these leaders who are meant to be guides and examples of how religion is supposed to be. Now, that comment is has certainly got a huge amount of um, support uh, around the community and uh, a certain it is logically uh, very, uh, very obvious. But how do you relate to this? You know, at child sex abuse scandals, David, do you think they've really damaged the church? How much have they damaged the church? Look, they really have because often, and I speak about the church broadly, the Christian church has covered them up. They've shifted uh, religious leaders, priests yeah. or whatever you might want to call them. They've shifted them on to another location and, and historically in some cases pushed things under the carpet. The uh, most recent royal commission into this thing, the, the yeah. uh, federal government's royal commission, actually highlighted that it was religious institution was institutions were the far biggest group yeah. where where this was occurring yeah yeah and that, that's a frightening thing isn't it you know uh, i know myself i've had in my ministry a number of uh, encounters where i've actually had to deal with this particular issue within a church environment and uh, you know it is it is so uh, horrendous for everybody uh, that is actually involved look it is and i think statistics show something like uh, it takes on average 20 odd years might be 22 23 years for um a survivor someone that was uh, perpetrated against to actually come forward so even today the christian church will be dealing probably still for another you know two decades perhaps with ramifications of cover-ups and abuse in the past Mm -hmm. and so Christian organizations, every organization, but Christian organizations and churches should actually put up their hand. They have an ethical and a moral responsibility in yeah, this area. Yeah, yeah, to be the leaders to at be the, the leaders. forefront rather than it being dragged along. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's good, Dave. Um, the last thing, I, this particular article that came from the ABC, I, I really, um, I'd be interested in your feedback on this uh, this statement. A country of apatheists. Over the phone, uh, religion researcher Dr. Ibrahim Abraham from the Australian National University was uh, consulted for his view. He confirms the atheist sentiments are shared by many people around the country, but he prefers to use a different term to atheist when talking about young Australians more broadly. The term to describe most young Australians would be apatheists. Uh, the combination of apathy and atheism. They're just not interested in religion, he says. How do you respond to that? Well, it sounds, apathis sounds almost like apiris, the, the beekeepers, doesn't it? It does. Um, so this is a combination of apathy and atheism. I would agree with this. There's this 
general lack, it's a generalisation, but in Australian society in general, of um, uh, laid back, she'll be right, half-hearted, anything goes sort of thing. And you could label that perhaps in some circumstances as an apathy. And certainly towards uh, religious things, definitely. And, and what happens when we're apathetic? We often um, just run with the media grabs, the, the, the quick... Um, news stories, the catchy things on, on, on the internet or TV or whatever it may be. But it ultimately comes down to, I think, Gary, um, you have apathy when you're not engaged. You have apathy when you're not connected. So, a And lot that's of one of the real challenges within our society as a whole, isn't it? Because even political parties are finding uh, people are not wanting to join. Trade unions, people are not wanting to join. Uh, churches, you're finding exactly the same dynamic. Again, institutions, correct? Yeah. yeah. And so if, if you uh, – how many Australians wouldn't even personally know a religious leader? That's actually a good question. I'm sure it would be in a vast majority. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it's easy then to see what gets thrown up in the media. Yeah. Much of it's probably true. I'm not discrediting that. But when you know some of these religious leaders and, 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 and churches personally, you can see the difference they make. For instance, you look at uh, the charity organisations and the incredible good that they do. The majority of those, I would suggest, um, you know, welfare, etc., are yeah. Christian-based welfare agencies. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of people actually do overlook that, uh, yes, churches have done a damage and certainly need to be held accountable for that damage. But, you know, as I look at uh, certainly my time in ministry, I've seen churches, uh, I think of our own ADRA organisation, and that she number of people that these guys are constantly impacting uh, for Christ. You know, the number of times I've been out with the Salvos on the Salvo Appeal because I'm conscious of what they actually do in the community. You know, I'm conscious of Anglicare out there. You know, these community organisations do such incredible amount of good. And what to me is so significant is that uh, these organisations are actually run by volunteers. These are people who are putting up their hand and saying, hey, you don't need to pay us. We're happy uh, to actually do this as a service to our community. And this is at the heart of Christianity, isn't it? This it is, service it is, it uh, is. motivated by love for humanity. So if you remove Christianity from the public sphere, you are taking away a huge support mechanism for the community. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd suggest you wouldn't actually be able to pay sufficient uh, to be able to replace uh, most of those, uh, those services. So, Gary, I believe it comes down to connection and community. If Christian leaders and, and Christians full stop seek to build connections with the, the people in society and as they build those connections, they can then build community. And I believe community is something that is missing in culture today. And, you know, it's really interesting that you do actually say that because uh, the article does actually finishing by talking about young people who do trust religious leaders. There are young people out there, and this is part of the article, who do actually trust them. According to the Australia Talks data, 20% of 18 to uh, 24-year-olds somewhat trust religious leaders and another 7 
100%. Trust them a lot. Uh, and then it names a, a number of young people. They fall into this segment of young Australians. And uh, as they were, were interviewed, um, these are some of the things they said. We feel comfortable with our religious leaders. We feel comfortable to disagree. We have long conversations. We know that we're going to be listened to because we have a good relationship. A good relationship is where you have the capacity to learn from each other. Do you know, as I think about it, David, in our society, what you've just said is actually so important, so key, so fundamental that what we've actually, you know, mentoring is something that has almost gone to the sideline these days. It almost doesn't exist. It almost doesn't exist. In sport, you get it, to, uh, certainly. But certainly within the church environment, these young people are using uh, terms that amount to mentoring uh, with the wisdom of a older generation who are prepared to sit and listen and talk. Uh, you know, what you're just talking about, community there, uh, to me, uh, one of the real challenges there is that the church, I believe, is most powerful when it is actually a group of believers in community. Definitely, 100%. Mm. Look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Michael W. Smith. I uh, love uh, his uh, rendition, Ancient Words. Uh, please, uh, please enjoy uh, Michael W. Smith.
was Michael W. Smith, Ancient Words. Uh, what a beautiful uh, rendition uh, he provides of that uh, that particular song. Uh, guys, we've got a free gift for you today. Our free gift for you today is the book God's Truth Can Change Your Life. Now, this is a book written by Dr. George Knight. Now, George Knight, I don't know if you've heard him. I've heard him many times. Uh, he's written many books, but he is engaging. Whether he speaks or writes, he is engaging. Uh, this book is entitled God's Truth uh, Can Change Your Life. Uh, it's searching. People are searching for meaning everywhere. Every culture in every era has been searching for truth. Truth that answers life's biggest questions. Truth that provides significance for daily living. Truth that is certain and beyond doubt. Uh, Dr. George Knight is going to share about uh, God's truth. It can change your life. If you'd like a copy of this little book, uh, then please send your name, your address, your phone number uh, to our studio text number here. Uh, that number is 0488 880811. That number again is 0488 880811. And uh, that book is God's Truth Can Change Your Life. And just put down God's Truth so we know exactly what book uh, it is that you're referring to. You'll love uh, this, uh, this, this particular book and uh, uh, it'll be greatly appreciated. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM, uh, Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and uh, David is president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, today uh, we're discussing the subject, are all religions essentially the same? As I was preparing for this particular program, I uh, I went onto the internet and I did actually type in uh, that uh, that question: uh, Are all religions essentially the same? I was really interested with uh, uh, the very first hit uh, that came up. Um, many many followed, uh, many followed, saying exactly the same thing. Uh, but this is what that particular article said. They argued all religions are basically the same. And then they listed the top ten, uh, top seven similarities between the major religions. Uh, they, might, they started with a quote. A God can be realized through all paths. All religions are true. The important thing is to reach for the roof. You can reach it by stone stairs or by a roof, uh, by a rope. Uh, and that is, that comes from the Krishna. 
And uh, then the author said this, I believe it's foolish and unspiritual for an individual to believe his religious beliefs are right and other religious beliefs are wrong because all religions preach the same things, but they're doing it in different ways. Here, I'll enlighten you and by discussing the top seven similarities between different religions so that you can strive to learn something from all religions instead of just being judgmental. And this author suggests that these are the commonalities amongst all religions. Firstly, they believe in the existence of the transcendent. Um, secondly, they believe in a creator. Thirdly, they provide ways of overcoming suffering. Fourthly, they encourage generosity. Fifthly, they believe in celestial beings. They encourage moral behaviour and they have holy places of worship. Well, there certainly are some similarities there, but you know, the thing, the thing that really stands out to me, David, is that uh, the thing the author doesn't actually mention are the differences between the various uh, religions. So, look, David, look, let's come to this particular question. Uh, are all religions essentially the same as this author um, does suggest, or are they significantly different, uh, significantly different enough for us to be concerned? I'll go with the latter. They are significantly different and we should be concerned. It's almost like uh, listening to you read those, um, uh, you know, basically that all religions are the same, the seven similarities. It's almost looking at something in 1D as opposed to 3D. Okay. You know, it, it's half the story. It's not even half the story. Okay. So okay. We need to we need to understand a number of things. There was a Barna poll done a couple of years ago, and it was basically looking at this, that when Christians, Jews and Buddhists and others pray to their God, all of those individuals are actually praying to the same God, but simply using different names for that deity. And this is what some Christians believe? Exactly. Uh, and uh, this, this was uh, four out of every ten American adults. Okay. Four out of every okay. ten. Yep. So you might use different names. Uh, whether you're a Jew or a Christian or a Buddhist, but you're basically p- praying to the same deity. And it's, it's on the surface, that sounds um, fine, doesn't it? You know, on, on the surface, that seems almost generous to other people. Well, in the what we would call the, you know, the, the Western world and the global north, I think now it's called, isn't it? Um, there is this move towards, I believe, um, uh, removing differences, that we're all one, that, that everything yeah. can be absorbed, yeah. etc. Yeah. And I think a lot of this comes out of the New Age movement, frankly. But uh, listen to this. C- can that be right? Can, uh, can Christians, Jews and Buddhists essentially be praying to the same deity even though they use different names? What about this? Um, Mahatma Gandhi of India, he said, The soul of religion is one but is encased in a multitude of forms. Was Mahatma Gandhi Gandhi right? Was he correct? Mm -hmm. The Baha'i faith, and, uh, you know, I know a number of uh, lovely Baha'i people, and I've engaged with, um, you know, outside the shopping centres, whether it's, you know, people of uh, various sects. But uh, I remember once uh, engaging with someone of Baha'i faith, and they were giving away literature and trying to get you uh, enlisted into various things. And... uh, the challenge with Baha'is is they embrace and absorb everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this comes off um, Baha'i teachings. What I'm going to read, it says, 
In reality, there is only one religion, the religion of God. Now, that yeah. sounds good, doesn't it? It does. It does. This one religion is continually evolving, and each particular religious system represents a stage in the evolution of the whole, mm. claims the Baha'i faith. You know, it's interesting, David. Uh, a number of years ago, there was uh, a meeting held in Melbourne called the Parliament of World Religions. And uh, at that time, I was living here in Adelaide, and I thought, no, this is too good uh, to actually miss out on because I I have been a, a student of both prophecy. I've been a student of uh, religion my entire life. And I thought, hey, I want to go along and see what this organisation is actually saying. And uh, I went along and spent a week at what was the Parliament of, of World Religions. Do you know, when I came away I was actually frightened for the Christian church uh, because we had uh, denomination after denomination we had church after church uh, simply standing some of the things which I heard said at that particular meeting uh, challenged me to my very core uh, because uh, it We'll, we'll get there in just a moment. I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about it. That would be really challenging, I think. And Gary, I think um, even on some of the very basic things with various um, religious organisations and, and groups, uh, it's the basic things that we have some incredible differences on. There are. There that, are. That, that, that can't be merged together. Yeah. Yeah. And so the article that you read just sort of almost um, pushes under the carpet. It glosses over uh, the differences while trying to highlight some similarities. The differences are simply glossed over and ignored. And so I would suggest that uh, major religions all claim an element of exclusivity. And if we're claiming exclusivity, then how can we all be the same? Okay. There has to be truth and there has to be something that's false. Let me give you an example. Muslims believe that the sole, um, that the sole sufficient and consummate miracle of Islam is the Quran. They say, however, it's only recognizable in Arabic and that any translation um, desacralizes it. So in other words, um, the, the right way to read the Quran is in Arabic. It's, it's definitive. It's exclusive, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, Buddhism... If you were to, uh, when Buddha was born, um, Buddha rejected two fundamental assertions of Hinduism, the ultimate authority of the Vedas, which are their scriptures, and the caste system. So uh, Buddhism grew out of rejecting two fundamental assertions of Hinduism. So there's a level of exclusivity to Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And then if you go to Hinduism, uh, it's uh, absolutely uncompromising on two or three issues, and these are some of them. The law of karma. You know, the, this law that they hold to of cause and effect, so that every birth is a rebirth that makes recompense for a previous life. And also, tied with that, the belief in reincarnation. They are exclusive uh, claims. Mm. Whereas Christianity, if you take reincarnation, uh, Christianity certainly does not. In fact, I'm not aware of a Christian uh, organization that actually accepts reincarnation. And yet we have people like the article you talked about that will, will try and look for the similarities and say that any differences are inconsequential, but they're fundamentally opposed to each other. Mm. Um, Sikhism came as a challenge to both Hinduism and Buddhism. So there's some exclusivity. Baha'ism, which claims to be a cosmic embrace of all religion, ends up excluding the exclusivists. Wow. 
Wow, this is amazing. This is this is comparative religions 101. I mean, this is this is really key because what a lot of people don't actually realize when they're sort of saying out there that it doesn't matter what you believe because we're all going to the same place. Well, we're all actually they're all talking about different places. Different places. And, and even atheism. They reject the viewpoints of those who believe in God. So atheists are also exclusive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is something that a lo- our world today really overlooks. You know, there, often there are those who look down on, on uh, those who are being exclusive. And yet, you know, David, the reality is when push comes to shove, what we really understand is that, uh, there are certain things in our world that are exclusive by its very nature. That's a hundred percent true. So, Truth, by its definition, is exclusive. And now that is such an important statement that you've actually made there, David. Truth, by its very nature, is exclusive. Because if we take this a step further, if truths were all-inclusive, nothing would be false. That's true. That's true. And so all religions make truth claims. In other words, they all make exclusive claims. Okay, so look, let's come back though to the uh, to the question that we're actually uh, dealing dealing with today. Um, are uh, are all religions essentially the same? What we're saying is no, they're not all essentially the same. In fact, there are major differences within those religions. And let's look at some of those. Hey, so one of them is the nature of God. Okay, uh, Christianity uh, and um, Judaism and Islam. All are monotheistic. They believe in one God. Okay. But there will be differences amongst those. We might get to those. So we have Christianity and Buddhism and Judaism as monotheistic. Christianity uh, sees God, one God, as personal. Mm. Then you go to Buddhism and uh, Hinduism and they're monistic. They believe that uh, everything essentially is of the same substance, all part of the one reality. Okay. And that is an exclusive claim that is contrary to the exclusive claim of Christianity, which rejects monism because Christianity says that there is a radical difference between an uncreated God and the created order. Wow. A radical difference. You're doing my head in, David. Hinduism believes in a plethora of gods. Now, this is significant, isn't it? You know... We can't say that all religions are the same if some religions believe in a polytheistic form of headship, in other words, many gods, um, whereas um, other religions simply say, no, there is only one god. There is a major difference there uh, between the two. That's absolutely correct. And and then if we drill down into, into Jesus... Uh, you know, Baha'ism will see... This is really important, actually. Yeah. Come, come to, to Jesus. I mean, how is Jesus uh, unique? Well, let's look at it. Uh, Judaism sees Jesus just as a, a, a person that lived 2,000 years ago that, that uh, perhaps uh, le- well, did lead a group of people but was not the Messiah. Um, Islam sees Jesus as a, a prophet, but not, not the last prophet. Uh, they see Jesus as someone that isn't God, 
that can't be God. They can't get their head around, you know, the Godhead exactly, or the Trinity. Exactly, yeah. And they see that Jesus uh, didn't die and, and was risen to life. They don't believe in, in the resurrection that Jesus is truly God. Um, so there is these complete divergences. Uh, Baha'is see Jesus as a prophet. But again, they believe uh, that there is no... They're exclusive in that, in that they take in everything... But they're exclusive in that. But Christianity is actually incredibly unique in that it actually views Jesus Christ as a somebody who has got saving power. You know, I think of that uh, that passage is at uh, Acts about four twelve somewhere in there uh, that talks about you know Peter and John have been dragged towards the uh, into the judgment hall and they're being judged for the things which they believe, and you get this uh, statement that's uh, made by them. there is no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved. You know, Peter and John actually believe that Jesus Christ is actually has the power within himself to save people. And so I believe one of the key differences between Christianity, what separates it and every other religion, is that it is based on the God-man Jesus Christ, God who became flesh who became one of his creation, uh, who lived a sinless, perfect life, who died for us, became a sacrifice for all of humanity, uh, who rose from the dead and is now living in heaven, no longer in a tomb, a grave like every other religious leader mm. of, of religious faiths. And so what happens then? With Christianity, there is assurance and certainty that in a relationship with Jesus, we can reach paradise. We can have eternal life when Jesus comes back to take us to heaven. In all of these other faiths, in all of these other religions, it is based upon what man or humanity can achieve and accomplish. Okay, okay, and and that is such a significant difference, you know. Uh, when when I look at it, when I look at the teaching of Christianity, when I see what the Gospels are actually saying about Christ, when I see that Christ was prepared to to come, uh, when I see that uh, Christ was a miracle worker, uh, when I see that the evidence that is there for that resurrection of Jesus Christ, you know, I mean, to t- have a have a teaching that, and I think of the exclusive nature of Christianity in this that Jesus Christ one who came actually rose from the dead and you know to me David as I look at the sheer amount of evidence that there is for this I just sort of stand in absolute awe I say wow I mean there there can't be any other answers uh, given what I see there but you know that's that's a unique claim that Jesus Christ rose from the dead so Christianity has this uniqueness that it is not based upon what I can do. I don't have to climb rungs or reach certain levels. All of the man-made religions, the human-made religions, such as Islam, such as Buddhism, Hinduism, all of these things are based on what I can accomplish to reach something. Why? They were man-made. They came up with man-made rules of how you can accomplish something. However, Christianity is exclusive, and we'll talk about before we end what this means. We don't talk about it in a negative sense, but Christianity is exclusive in that it says that humanity cannot achieve anything in and of itself. Why? Because one of the exclusive things with Christianity, for many other religions, is the concept of sin. Mm. 
that mm. we are all hopelessly lost. Scripture says all have sinned and fallen short of the, the heart is evil above all things and desperately, desperately wicked. wicked and who can know it? No one is righteous, no not one. These are these are powerful statements. It sort of it explains humanity's problem, but most significantly it gives humanity a solution as well uh, for the end of the day. It does, and that is in the God-man, whereas the New Age, for instance, basically looks at sin and says, look, it's ignorance or it's susceptibility to illusion. It's unprofitable behavior. Okay, but it really doesn't matter too much what you do because that's the way you are. Whereas Christianity says that sin is a deadly infection with only one antidote, only one vaccine, and that is accepting the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Christianity is based in a, a being in a person, Jesus Christ. All of these other religions are ultimately based on works Based on self. Yeah. Yeah. At, at yeah. their core. And of course, all of this, basically, you've got to come back, you know, of course, is this actually true? And is this incredibly exclusive? We're going to come back to that in just a, just a moment, but uh, let's come to some music. That's a convenient place for uh, a bit of a stop. This is Sandra Etterman, uh, and uh, it's called Faithful Men. Uh, please, please enjoy. Darkness for 
that was Sandra Etterman, a faithful, faithful man. Uh, our free gift for you today is uh, is the book God's Truth Can Change Your Life by uh, Dr. George Knight. Uh, you'll love uh, this little book if you haven't requested this book uh, yet. Uh, this is our free giveaway. If you're searching for life's meaning, um, so many have found it to be a universal search. Uh, every culture and every era has searched for truth, truth that answers life's biggest questions, a truth that provides significance for daily living, truth that is certain and beyond doubt. But truth has come on hard times. Have you heard someone say, I have your truth and you have mine? Really? Uh, people agree that it's not wise to step out of a 10-story window or to eat certain types of mushrooms. In fact, science and technology are built upon the proposition that truth is out there waiting to be discovered. God's truth sets forth the idea that there is truth, not only in the material world, but also in the social and the spiritual realms, a truth that is foundational to personal and social health, truth that can actually transform lives. Look, folks, you'll really enjoy uh, this particular book. It's only a short book, uh, God's Truth Can Change Your Life. Uh, it's by, written by Dr. George Knight, who's an incredibly uh, engaging speaker. If you'd like uh, God's Truth, just Text to us God's truth and uh, uh, send us your name, your address, and your, your telephone number, and uh, text that to our our drive time text number, which is o four double eight double eight o eight eleven. That's o four double eight double eight o eight eleven. I believe you'll greatly uh, appreciate this particular book. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary uh, today. Our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, today we're discussing, are all religions essentially the same? David, really appreciate what it is that you've been sharing at this at this particular point in time. Help us ask some more. Some more. Okay, so someone could ask the question, um, it's wrong for Christianity or any religion, in fact, to claim exclusivity. And you might remember before, I think I said something to the effect of, of these words here, that truth by definition is exclusive. If truth were all inclusive, then nothing would be false. Yeah. So yeah. I think unashamedly Christianity, and of course every other world religion would say the same, uh, claims exclusivity, but maybe not in the way we might think. Okay, but David, one of the things I'm really conscious about this is that in in our world today, if a person comes across, across as exclusive in any way, it's seen as a sign of arrogance. 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 Absolutely. And, and there is a pushback. And I believe this comes from the master deceiver, Satan. There is black and white. There is, um, there is things that are completely true and we can hang our hat on, we can put an anchor into, yeah. rather than what the world offers of, of just this floating, ethereal, whatever it may be. You can't hang your hat on everything. So I would say that the exclusivity of Christ or Christianity is very narrow in its location, but it's broad in its invitation. So let's unpack this. Christianity is exclusive or broad in the assessment of humanity. Now, we touched on this. So it's inclusive in saying that 
um, as it is written, Romans 3.10, there is none that are righteous, no, not one. It is inclusive and broad when it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. So when it comes to the assessment of humanity, Christianity says, hey, we're all in the same boat. We're inclusive. And, you know, to me, I would actually call that not just inclusive, but I would say that's being incredibly authentic because what it's a, Christianity is actually doing in saying that is trying to look at the brutal reality. And you know, what is the reality? What is really going on on this particular earth? Because, David, I, I'm so sh- so conscious that you know there are so many who don't seem to have an, under, an understanding of what is actually happening uh, on our world. Yet, within the Scriptures, this teaching that you've just mentioned it just flows through time and time and time again. It says humanity as a whole actually has a problem. So Christianity is fully inclusive when it comes to the reality of the human condition. But... Christianity is exclusive or narrow in the solution for humanity's dilemma. So Christianity is inclusive, but also exclusive or narrow. Narrow in the solution for humanity's dilemma. Let's look at two texts. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is John fourteen six. Mm-hmm. Now, this is Jesus Christ, and he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, no one comes to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one can access heaven, no one can access life forevermore unless they come through me. In other words, Christianity is exclusive by its very nature and out of the words of its founder. Exactly. This is Jesus. So it is narrow. It is, it is exclusive when it comes to the solution to the inclusive dilemma that humanity finds itself in, the, the problem of sin. Okay, okay. So, and to me, I think also one of the uh, big things here is that there's also a, uh, and I don't know if I'm jumping in, in front of you here, but there's an, uh, there's an inclusive call. There is. You are jumping, but it's good. But before we jump there, Gary, okay, okay. there's one other key text I want to touch on looking at the exclusiveness or the narrowness, narrowness to the solution of humanity's dilemma. And that is John, um, that is Acts 4.12. Here you have, uh, uh, Peter and John and they're there before the Jewish religious leaders, um, after the resurrection of Jesus, after the Christian church has begun to take shape. Uh, they are there and they are saying to the religious leaders, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. This is Peter and John. This is Peter and John. There is no other name under heaven given to humanity by which we can be saved. That's exclusive. That is narrow. In other words, there is only one solution. And you know, David, one of the things a lot of people don't actually realise is uh, this this passage and this understanding was actually the foundation of many of the missionary movements of the Christian church. I mean, the Christian church down through through years has sent out missionaries to all different foreign lands. Um, they have attempted to, to bring to Christ uh, those that they have witnessed to. And why have they done that? The reason that they've actually done that is because they... The Christian church has certainly, from time immemorial, uh, had a total conviction that there is no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved. And so now you've just touched on, and thank you, this last point that um, Christianity is inclusive or broad in who can access the solution to the problem of sin. 
Wow. It's, yeah. The invitation is for everyone. And you've just mentioned that, you know, all these missionary organizations that have evangelized and gone through the deepest, deepest darkest, most remote parts of the world to win people for Christ. Why? Because the invitation is for everyone. And look, I guess one of the texts that jumps to my mind straight away, John 3.16, mm. the most well-known scripture in, in, in the uh, text in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, that encompasses all of humanity, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the invitation is inclusive. It encompasses anyone and everyone who will choose to believe, who will choose to be in words, here we've got, uh, we've got Jesus Christ crying out. You know, I mean, when you think of, you know, that, that called the Great Commission, uh, Matthew chapter 28, um, uh, Christ talking to his disciples, uh, go into all the world. I want you to preach, teach and baptize. I want you to call people, uh, to my name. You know, this is, uh, you know, as you've rightly said, the scriptures have diagnosed a universal problem. It's, it's, it's inclusive. Inclusive. But then it said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But that is linked to free choice. That's right. Now, why is free choice important? You can't have love. You can't have true dedication if something is forced. People have to have that opportunity to opt out. In other words, we believe in free will. Christians believe in free will, that, that you have the option to choose. And, yeah. and in Scripture you see that. You, you have um, some of the religious leaders choose life or choose death. Mm. Moses mm. says that. Yeah, yeah. So you get these, these two ways that are presented. Individuals then have a choice as to whether or not they want to adopt this invitation that has been so broadly given to the entire world. Um, a, pers- a person, once they have made that choice, if they choose to follow ch- Christ, then he gives them a command saying, hey, look, now I want you to go and share what you've got with the whole world. Because Christ is inclusive in wanting everyone to be saved. This this paints a really beautiful picture, doesn't it, you know, of the work of Jesus Christ and the work of the Christian church. It explains why the missionary movement was actually so important. You know, there are people today who actually condemn uh, the Christian movement uh, because it changed culture. Do you know, the thing I'm so conscious of is that I'm thankful that it did change culture. And you know something? I'm an Australian and I'm incredibly proud of being an Australian. But do you know I've discovered that when a person becomes a Christian, they actually become a better uh, Australian. And we become citizens of heaven. So Christianity is based on the God-man Jesus Christ. Yeah, He is the only answer, Jesus, to the dilemma that humanity finds itself in sin. It's an exclusive claim, but it's an inclusive offer for all humanity to be saved. Unlike every other religion which is based on human, human works, human practices, mm. human achievement, Christianity yeah. says no, it was all achieved in Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago who lived, who died, who rose again, but now we need to dedicate our lives to him, choose to be in a relationship with him, and then we experience that and we experience the certainty of life hereafter when mm. Jesus comes David, back. thank you for that. Look, David, I'm just wondering, how would you feel about praying for our um, for our listeners, maybe there might be somebody out there who has never given their heart to Jesus Christ. Would you like to pray for that particular person? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you that uh, you're a God who 
is inclusive in, 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 in the authenticity of acknowledging that humanity cannot rescue or save themselves. There is no system that has been created by humans. Every other religion fails. But we thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans, that, that, that God himself in the person of Jesus Christ came to this planet, born as a human, and, and lived a perfect life who took upon himself our sin, our, our indebtedness, and died so that we can live forever by believing and in Jesus and by choosing to be in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Father, I just want to pray for anyone out there today that may be confused, that may think that there are many roads that lead to Rome, so to speak. But I pray, Lord, that they may realize that you are the answer to the dilemma that the world is in that you are the only answer. It's an exclusive answer. And Father, I pray that if someone is, is, is faltering or wondering or uncertain, that they will just step forward, Lord, in faith and seek to know more, that they'll find a Christian church or, or someone they can talk to, Father. We thank you that Jesus wants everyone to be saved. We thank you that salvation only comes in and through him. And so we pray for everyone listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. David, thank you so much for that. Well, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray uh, return to the theme of the week and ask, uh, shouldn't Christians uh, be more tolerant? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, uh, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.